This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Good morning, Gavin. How are you? Morning, Graham. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Doing good, bud. Doing good. Do you know, I was I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about our chat yesterday and uh, just the experience I've had with martial artists on the podcast so far. If if I was going into battle, there's a lot of guys like yourself included that I would take along with me. If I needed someone to answer a video call in an emergency, the martial arts. <laughs> As <laughs> you're right. So, you're right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe people are too busy concentrating on their training and stuff to be up with uh, up with technology and that. But uh, it's, it's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's it's straightforward out a bad thing. You got you should keep up with stuff. Well, listen, I, I, do you know that's one of the things that I change my mind on uh, daily. I've got a wee bit of a reputation of always being on social media. And uh, at Christmas time, do you know? I, I use the excuse that I need it for the the Taekwondo school, that I need to stay in contact and advertise and put things up for the students and stuff. But the the week in between uh, in between Christmas time and New Year was a uh, was a week where I, I, the the school was closed. We didn't have any Zoom classes or anything, and uh, mm. I took a full week off it, which I found really interesting and. Yeah, I was better for it, mentally and everything. Yeah, I was- no, I, I agree with that. There's a difference between uh, being up to date with stuff and, and uh, being on it all the time. Yeah. I, I, think there is, there, I think there is always, for every generation, I think there must be a piece of technology that defines the, the switch when you just don't get it anymore. Yeah. And, and that was that's Twitter for me. I just don't know why anyone would be on it. It's, that's that's the one for me, and, and you know I hear all everyone says anything, and I use Facebook, but I don't know why people are listening to other people like that. I don't know why they follow them, why they care what they're saying. It's yep. the bit of tech that's that's done. That, that's me. It's, it's, do you mean by like celebrities and stuff, or like? Yeah, mostly. Yeah, which is what most people use it for. Well, I, I've got a I've got a friend who doesn't use any social media at all, and now Twitter's one of the ones that I just flirt with I go in and out and uh, lose interest in it really quickly and then try and have another wee go and, and it, yeah. it, it annoys me but this particular uh, friend of mine doesn't have any social media at all and it's funny because Twitter's one of the ones that I told him to try because depending on who you follow there can be a lot of good articles and links and stuff but when you start getting bogged down with celebrity gossip and stuff it's yeah, well, that's all I found on there. In my foray into it, that's all I found in there. I, you know, there's a point at which you got to say that's not for me, isn't there? <laughs> you must be looking on the wrong feeds. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh yeah. Listen, uh, I think if we spend more time training, more time re- reading, seems to be a thing that, that I've, I've I've got back into recently, and it was one of the things that I done during that week. 
where I come off with social media. Because yeah. I always, I mean, my phone's sitting right here beside me. And I'll, maybe that's a weakness, but I find if I'm reading a book, my phone's calling to me. And it's like, I can't concentrate on this book. So I don't know. I don't know if you saw it, actually. But last year, I did a, a book a, book a week for three months. No, I didn't. I missed that, actually. Yeah, and I posted up the books that I was reading. And what I'd done with it, one, one, one a week for three months. Is this, this was on your Facebook feed, obviously, yeah? I'll yeah, go I'll go back and search for that actually because that's really interesting. Actually, they might have been the year before, but it was really interesting. And was it martial arts stuff or was it just overall everything? A mix of everything, and I had people recommend stuff. And uh, what I did for my for my fiftieth at a big party and stuff, you were allowed to then. And, uh, and I said, <laughs> what I want, what I wanted people to bring me, what the present I wanted was their favorite album. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. Brilliant. That's what I wanted. And it was brilliant. The stuff I got that I never would have listened to, yeah. never would have got to. And it was a bit the same with the books. You know, there was stuff I, it came out of, um, you know, my mum always gets me books for Christmas and stuff. And I had a stack that I hadn't read yet. And I always, and um, it just got me. I thought I'm going to get through that. And the only way I'm going to do it is one a week. And it's good. It's really good. I, I, as a teenager and, uh, my early twenties, I, I was like addicted to reading. Like I, I used to read all like everything, and then maybe that's when social media. I don't know if I'm making myself younger or older there, but I don't know. I, I I just found that when I was off of social media, my love of reading came back, and I've actually managed to carry that on a wee bit more since Christmas time. So there's, there's definitely there's definitely a lot in that. Uh, right, let, let's jump in. So. I've taken wee notes here. There's, there's tons of sort of interesting stuff that I want to uh, chat to you about today. But one of the things that I was reading on your website, and I, I don't know how old or up to date y- your website is, but obviously your life is on there or, or parts of your life is on there. So hopefully it's factual. Uh, if I've t- noted anything down wrong, just obviously let me know straight away. But I believe it was through your dad and uh, his involvement in martial arts that, that got you. Started. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right. About that and how, how that worked. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm a Belfast boy. I was born in Northern Ireland, up in Liverpool, in a caravan. And uh, so we were from Belfast. I four, we're four brothers and one sister. So uh, my dad was in the military and he was teaching unarmed combat. He was teaching some unarmed combat in there. But he also, with a guy called Bill Norris, Uncle Bill to me. Okay. Yep. Uh, he um, they opened up a a judo uh, club called the Kenchukai, mm-hmm. which was the dog dog's leap. I think it translates in. He's watching the Mavadi is also there's a little legend there about this dog jumping over something. I don't quite know what it is, <laughs> but it was a sort of part military, part civilian crossover. But the big crossover was Protestant Catholic because we're from the Shankle, which is I don't know how much you know about that. Are you from Glasgow? Are you Glasgow? Just outside Glasgow. So, oh, right, so, so you know all about it then. I, I, I know, I know what, yeah. what we're, I know the stuff that we're fed. That's what I know. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, as, as we all do. So I'm from the Shankle. Uh, and um, my dad was kind of unique in that. Granddad was quite uh, high up in all that sort of stuff. And dad refused to join anything that just refused to join any of that stuff. And he had Catholic friends actually. Uh, probably through the the Kenchuk kind of stuff. So he he set up this thing as a part 
civilian part military outreach and a part and that Catholics and Protestants were all training side by side. And my mum still talks about how the whole club would come back to the caravan for yep. sandwiches after training. The way training does, you know, the way to do that. So, so we used to sit there and, uh, and watch. Was we sit there and watch it all and watch what's going on. So also growing up the Shankle, this was sort of late 60s and things were starting to get bad. But dad was always very... Um, he, you know, he, he was quite a traditional man, I guess, and, and he thought part of his role, and I don't disagree with this, actually, with, as a father, was to make sure his boys could fight. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't, um, you know, it was just he taught us to fight and he wouldn't tolerate loss. When we first moved to Scotland, actually, um, which is where we left, went after Ireland, we went to Scotland. In fact, we moved from Belfast to Scotland to southern England, and you wouldn't want to do that trip the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, when we first moved there, we 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 were quite used to getting into trouble anyway. Um, but uh, John, my brother John, he he came home in tears because some well, someone had pulled a knife on him. This was our first time. And so Dad uh, asked him what he did. John had run away, quite you know. And uh, Dad sent him out to go and find the boy and deal with it properly. You know, I'd call you a knife. You know, that just wouldn't happen these days. But that's what he did. He sent him back out. John came back a couple of hours later and he said, have you dealt with it? John said yes. And that was that was then that. So, yeah, that was, I think, because we were moving around a lot, both of the military and we were moving around quite a bit. He knew we were going to get in trouble at schools and you know, you're always the new kids. And mm-hmm. fortunately for us to arrive with four of us at a time, but he knew what that entailed and made sure we were, Equipped to deal with it, I think, from from his perspective and mine. Yeah. So it was uh, when you say unarmed combat. Was that? Well, he was. A, he was derived from it, any particular style, or was it? Not really. Uh, you know, it was just. It was. Uh, you know, this is the thing with with any style that claims military heritage. You know, and they 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 they've sort of drifted away a little bit now. But I guess maybe ten years ago, it's all about. It's basically for people that like to train in combat trousers. You know, that's that's mostly what we're looking at. Yeah, and, and the trouble is, anything that claims that military heritage is 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 generally just a bit rubbish. And I, I say that guardedly because what they what they do works. It, it's not rubbish. I don't, that's wrong phrasing. It's it's basic mm-hmm. because basic is what works, you know. And you know, I've done quite a lot of work with military guys, both here and in the states, and and it always strikes me how how they're not very good at it. Okay, and. And I actually said to, to some of the guys who did over in Fort Bragg, actually, playing the summer by Fort Bragg, I just said to these guys, why are you so shit at this? It was knife work we've done, actually. And, uh, and the guy, the sergeant there, well, initially they were a bit shocked, really, because I don't think they hear that very much. But, yep, yep. but, um, but you know, he, he said, listen, we've got 24 hours in a day. We've got to do all our weapon work, all our drill, all enemy weapon work, all our navigation, all our stuff. Just listed this stuff. He said, we don't have time for unarmed stuff. He said, if we, if we ever find ourselves unarmed, we're so far in the steep of the shit that it's just not particularly what we're trying for. Now, what you do get, which is what this was, is, is a lot of the guys, are because they're fighting men, they're interested in martial arts. Mm-hmm. But an official military training program is going to be really basic, yeah. as it should be, as it should be. Um, and so the stuff that ends up sort of really hanging itself on the military uh, tag 
really got, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, as is everything I'm going to say today, and you're not responsible for any of it. Um, <laughs> it's just trying to, a lot of it's just trying to hang itself on a kind of military prowess, where in fact, that's military are armed. Yeah, yeah. And unarmed combat is a very, very small component of that. Karate is armed as well, by the way, and unarmed is, has been overly emphasised in the United States. This is something that I, for what I've read, and again, you might know something about this. It's just a very quick wee bit about the samurai to talk about. I know you spent some time in Japan, which I really want to get to as well. But there's a there's a there's a huge thing made about the samurai sword. And if a samurai was in a position where he, he had to use his sword in battle, the shit had hit the fan at that stage because the 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 they really would have been on horseback, etc. And it's the same as a modern day soldier that if you're you're going from missiles and warplanes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to then machine guns and all this stuff, if you get away down that line to actually standing in front of somebody having to use your hands to defeat or ultimately kill somebody, you've went through so many stages of stuff that that really what am I trying to say there? I'm trying to say that. Is it because they should never ever really be in that situation, especially nowadays? Um, I think the samurai, you know, warriors are warriors. You know, that, that the mindset doesn't change. The weaponry changes, the mindset does. I hate the way the words hero and warriors and all that's been so misused. It just stresses me. Um, the, the samurai... We're using their swords. If you imagine that we're talking this other day, you know, the, the concept of someone using nunchucks against a, a samurai is, you know, let's not beat about the bush. It's just nonsense. It didn't happen. If yeah. it happened at all, somebody snuck up on a samurai while he was pissed and smacked him in the head with a flail. He never fought. That just didn't happen because they'd be dead. They wouldn't survive that, you know? Um, but the samurai would use their sword as a show of bravado, you know. And also because you get to cut people up, which which is probably quite appealing at that Indeed. in that time and time. But it would be a, a, a really massive display of of balls and courage, wouldn't it? That you're the one that steps out before the battle to fight. Yeah. With those things, but like you say, as soon as you've invented a sling or a, a bow and arrow, it, they're not redundant, but they're really not. Yeah. You know, they're not there. So, and that's what how they were used in the Second World War as well by the Japanese. You know, it was a a display of a sort of semi-courage and a weapon of terror. Mm -hmm. And they would have been the same thing back in samurai times. So we watched the uh, my wife and I and my wee boy, we watched the uh, Kong the other night. And the just at the beginning of it, the the there's a an American soldier. Uh, a pilot and the Japanese pilot at the beginning of the movie and obviously they crash land on Skull Island where Kong is yeah. but they've obviously been <laughs> they've obviously been shooting at each other with their aeroplanes uh, and then both of them crash land and it was quite funny because the American guy uh, he pulls out his, his, his pistol and he's shooting away six shots or something and obviously misses the Japanese yeah. A soldier or pilot with every shot. So then the Japanese pilot pulls out the, the sword and proceeds to chase him around the jungle for the next couple of minutes and stuff. And then obviously King Kong appears and yeah. both of them are in trouble at that stage. But it's, as I say, 
there's this weapon that's, uh, and I won't labour on this for, for much longer, but there's this weapon that's so so idolised, isn't it? The samurai sword, but as I say... Well, it, it also, because it inspires that courage. It's, it's, it's the spirit of that courage to face someone with a blade is a terrifying thing to do. Yeah. But also it... it, 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 it it became the best, the, the high, the best blade there's ever been. And it is the best blade, blade that there's ever been. And the reason for that is gunpowder. You know, okay. if because, because blade technology basically stopped for the same reason you're just saying, it became redundant. Yeah. So it's as far as mankind got with the blade before it wasn't, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure someone will be able to come on and say, no, this this blade is better now. But yeah. it's it's semi-academic because that that was the end of it as as the primary weapon, and as you pointed out, it wasn't the primary weapon even then. But the development of blade technology ceased in a sort of any serious kind of way because the development of weaponry went into guns. As... I, love, I love that logic there. That uh... see, when you started talking there, Gavin, I was thinking we we look. And again, you do that. Although I'm trying to be better at this, I'm trying to I'm trying to be better at listening to understand and not listening to answer, which is, I think is most people's or a lot of people's problem nowadays. But the, as soon as you mentioned about the blade being the best, my automatic thing with the head was to go to because they'd done it better. It wasn't it, just when you said that 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 shined a bright light on that to say no, that's where it stopped. So it's just because they were firing bullets at each other after that, as opposed to the sword developing. Right, brilliant. So uh, this is a podcast that, as I said yesterday when we were chatting, I'm a Taekwondo guy uh, and have limited knowledge on, on, on styles of karate and uh, Okinawan karate and Japanese karate. And uh, I probably offended about half the people, karate students in the world by even categorizing it as such, but it's a Goju Ryu style that you Goju yeah. Goju right. So if you can tell us a wee bit about that as an overall art, if you don't mind, and then how you... Sure, and I, I might just add to your offending everyone by, by throwing everyone in the same pot and tell you that, in my opinion, karate doesn't exist. Okay. Can open. Worms everywhere. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would challenge you to, to, to tell me anything that defines karate and... And that if you said to me, right, if that you could say, if you didn't do that, you're not doing karate. Or if you to do karate, you have to do this. And I don't think it exists because what people will come back with and say, OK, well, you have a gi on, but you plainly don't. I was doing karate this morning. I wasn't wearing a gi. I've barely worn one in a year. It's not that. Do I have to do kata? I, I do a lot of it, but I, there are schools that hardly do any of it. They're still doing karate. Um, you have to spar, some do, some don't. There isn't anything. And most of what I would attempt to describe karate with, what you would recognize entirely as taekwondo, okay. you know, there isn't anything. For me, karate is an umbrella term. And I think that's how it was set up. It's an umbrella term, meaning empty hands. So for me, you do karate, which is really going to offend everyone else. And so do boxers. Not, and so not at all, actually. And this is something that's been, uh, that's something that's, that's, I've been involved in hey, quite a few discussions recently over the last couple of weeks, uh, mm. many of which I I think I was right. Some of them I thought I've realised I was quite wrong uh, and a wee bit rude then actually. Uh, I'll put that out there in the podcast again, but I, I think that most 
Again, you can't say most, but it's, we're, we're pretty confident. Uh, in fact, I would be entirely confident to say that Taekwondo was a direct... Yeah, of, of yeah, and I know there is that. There is, I know my, the little I know of Taekwondo is is that that argument of where it came from, and, and a lot of that's racist stuff between you know, Korea and Japan, as is the name karate, which to me it's an umbrella term that encompasses all of them. Judo, MMA, it just means on a you know empty hand. So to me, that's that's all of it. So it's as useful t- a term as field sports. Right. And I play rugby and you play football and someone else plays hockey. And that's the, that's the systems to me. So I do Gojuru. Uh, that's, you know, that's the rugby bit under that overall term of karate, which is a meaningless term. There's nothing that can define it. And if, you can, if, it, if a word doesn't define something, it hasn't got a lot of meaning. We're not the only ones that wear those sort of suits. We're not the only ones that have belts. We're not the only ones that do forms. There's nothing. In my opinion, there's nothing. But you can define the different systems. So I can define Goju for you. And Goju, the naming of Goju is one of my favorite um, sort of myths or legends in the martial arts. So this was all around the 30s. And the reason that it's called karate, karate it is a fairly, you know, that people assign kind of noble feeling to it, but that isn't really what was going on in 1930s Japan. 1930s Japan, they were gearing up for empire, to try and memory the British empire, to be honest, but they were gearing up for war. And they, China was on their radar and they, it doesn't, it doesn't do to um, have enemies that you think are a bit like you. It doesn't do to have enemies you respect, so you have to demean them first, right? That's, that's yeah. warfare 101. Yeah. So they wanted to remove all positive imagery and, and linguistics from from this from their society. And Tode was China hand, you know, originally was China hand. They didn't like that connection and want to move it. So what we're going to call it, call it empty hand. Yeah. So the name karate came directly out of that. And within that empty hands came the vast misunderstanding that got transported out to Japan that there's no weaponry in empty hands. Because people interpret that to mean it means it's, it's unarmed. Yep. But actually, it's entirely untrue. Weapons were a fundamental part, and still are a fundamental part of it. It then got taken to mainland Japan, where they want to be recognized as a, as a, as a martial art within, you know, within the system. And the Japanese are saying, well, we've already got a stand-up art. No, we've already got a grappling arts, we've already got this, we've got that. What we could really do is this is a sort of stand-up thing. So they took out the grappling, they took out the chokes, the locks, they took all that out. And and all that, I'm very lucky in Goju that we didn't it didn't get taken. We've retained all that. You know, we have all our grappling stuff, which is why we did so well in the cage a couple of years ago, which we might come to. Yep, yep. But yeah, you know, that. That led to a sort of massive kind of misunderstanding of what was what. And then add on to that, Funakoshi teaching really, in, through Shotokan, a lot of the stuff really more designed to prepare, and it's in his own works, you know, it's about spirit more than the fight. Really, again, preparing Japanese youth for the war in, in sort of military-like approach, military-like lines, punches that aren't really punches, sort of more about bayonet type training, you know, a lot of stuff that looked like karate but was fundamentally different went out there and became the biggest system, got spread around the world. Yeah. And and um, so back to Goju. So Goju, so um, 
in the 30s, a couple of Goju guys, Miyagi, Miyagi is the founder, a couple of his students went to demonstrate this in Japan. And someone said to him, the Japanese equivalent of, dude, what was that? That was great. What's going on? What's that, what's that called? And they were like, I don't know. I don't know. So they went back to Miyagi and said, this stuff you've been teaching us, what's it called? And he didn't know either, which is my favourite tale, because if it's got no name, it's got no limits, yeah. right? You can't say, oh, there's no none of this in it, because it doesn't exist. So he went to the Babushi precepts, of which, you know, the, talking about inhale and exhale, and he called it goju, which means hard and soft. So ju is the same ju as in jiu-jitsu and judo. Yep, yep. Gentle or soft, you know, that concept. Go means hard. And it's goju, not jugo. So it starts in a fairly brutal way. I, I personally, in DKK, I'm looking to accept one out of every 10 students. Okay. So I give it a month. So I've got 10 students come in, I give it one month, and I want one left. If there's more than one left, I'll make it harder for another month. I'll do that three times until at the end of three months. And whoever's left standing at three months, I'll keep. If there's still more than one, I'll keep it. But I'll keep trying to get rid of nine out of 10. Right. And the training is, and it's all mapped out in the cutter, by the way. This is mapped in the cutter. So it starts off hard, and then you get into the softer stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, like Aikido. I, I, I've got so much respect for Aikido. I love it. Uh, but it's all right as long as you don't have to fight for 30 years. You know, it takes so long to get any good at it. Yeah. But once you are good at it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. That, that, that's, first of all, that, that, that part about, that part about not knowing, we are so, we're so limited. And again, listen, anything that I say in the podcast or Facebook always causes me problems because I'll, I'll say something, uh, and it's very rarely a, a hill that I would sort of die on. And I said that in one of my posts the other day that, that, that I would on that particular subject. But I'm more than happy to be wrong, to be corrected, to be in a position where I can change my stance. Or I mean, you're what we, we're 25 minutes in, and the stuff that you're educating on me on today is it's one of the main reasons I've I, I done this, and one of the main reasons. I've got people like you on. Uh, I want to be open, but people don't like you being open because they find it difficult to argue with because mm. I'll happily, and I never used to be like this, I must admit, I'm, I'm happy to say, do you know what? You, if I think you're right, I'll say, yep, you're right, and thank you for educating me on that. Uh, but people like to be in boxes, and especially in martial arts, the, the, you've kind of blown my mind already today by by that field sports thing, we're all doing the same. We can, as soon as we say, no, we do Taekwondo, you've, you've put a box around you, haven't you? Or we do Judo. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is why I like that, that story about Goju. Yeah. The other thing is, when, when we, we went into the cage about 10 years ago, we took karate into the cage and, and yeah. it, needed, it needed doing. And, um, and one of the things we got a lot was, oh, that doesn't look like karate. It's like, well, what, what were you expecting? What did you want it to look like? And, of course, what they want is a reverse punch. But, of course, that a reverse punch is a training mechanism. It's not a punch. It's a training mechanism. Although it can be used as one, but it's training. Yeah. And to me, that's all the style is. The fight is always going to look the same. The fight will look the same. All the style is is a difference of opinion and how to train people to do the same thing. That's what a style is. Yeah. And like I said, Goju is a philosophy of 
hard first, drifting into softer techniques. And it's outlined through the pattern. You know, that's, that's what's kept me fascinated. I've say openly to my students, and, and I know people here are going to disagree with me. I don't mind that. You don't even have to argue with me because you're entitled to your own opinion. You don't have to tell me you don't like mine. You can just have yours, and, and there you go. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it's, the, the, the process of the fight is always going to look the same, and Goju is, a, is an approach to how you train people to do that. So the fight shouldn't look different. And as soon as it does look different, you're overly stylized. Right. And, and it will only look different if you're fighting people with the same style. So, wait, so let me clarify <laughs> this. Or try and clarify this. Yeah, let's unpack it. Let's unpack that. So are you are you are you talking about if two practitioners, two people from any different style? where to fight in the street or fight in a cage. And I want to talk about that because you guys were really quite successful. Uh, yeah. I don't even know why. I, I, see, I've, I've, I've made that mistake there of, of having that almost surprised. And I'm not. But there's, oh, you guys were successful. Why wouldn't you be successful? So anyway, I want to talk about that in a wee bit. Uh, because you... But again, you've just said that as well, Gavin. Like, we took karate into the cage anyway i'm, I'm getting off track I'll, I'll come back to that but <laughs> uh so what you're saying is is that if if a taekwondo guy fought a judo guy the both of them are here so they're separate sides of things but the the melee the ruckus of the fight in the middle would look the same no matter what style they're coming from yeah more or less more right. or less yeah if it's a real fight, more or less, there will be differences. The judo guy's still going to be trying to get hold of you and still be, you know, there'll be some differences. Yeah. But the fight will look the same. Yeah. Ultimately, the fight is the fight. Yeah. You know, uh, and if you want to know what fight looks like, if you haven't seen one in a while, just watch kids fight. Yeah. Yeah. And then watch adults fight. And, and, and the rest, you can get good at it. Um, don't get me wrong. You can get good at it. And that's what we're training to do. But it doesn't look fundamentally different. You know, it doesn't look like Kung Fu or it, doesn't, or it shouldn't look like Kung Fu. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't watch those, but, you know, occasionally you see some video, some delusional guy getting beaten up by someone who's just an MMA or just a fight, you know, because they because they they don't get that. They think their style is their fight. Okay. Something else to unpack then round about that. Uh... I was again. I was talking the other day to someone about the the practical applications of of our own my own art taekwondo, and I'm I'm religious, but not in a uh, I'm quite a mellow religious guy. Uh, and the way I put it to this person that I was talking to was that my martial arts, and I won't say taekwondo. I'll just say my martial arts is like my religion that. The more holes that I find in it, the more I'm actually, uh, the more I believe in it, if that makes sense. Like what I've tried to do with Taekwondo, and again, this has got me into a bit of sort of trouble just because I do my usual and just barge in, full steam ahead. Uh, I'm working on that. Uh, what I've tried to do with my martial art, uh, with Taekwondo, is rip it to pieces and uh, look at, people always say what works and what doesn't work. I don't even know if, if you can actually categorize that 100% saying this is a technique that works and this is a technique that doesn't. 
I'm trying to just rip it to pieces and see what I come up with. So well, no. I, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. no you finish off. I, I was just going to say where I am at the moment is you were talking about that reverse punch in karate as a training mechanism as opposed to a punch. That's where I am with the majority of my patterns or kata study at the moment. Uh, I, I, I was talking the other day and I said that 90% of the techniques in our patterns, a middle block, for example, and we spoke about middle block a couple of months back, a message on Facebook. Uh, you ain't using a middle block on, in a street fight, in my opinion. So why do we study it? I would rather really rip that to pieces to find out why we study it than tell my students that they're going to be able to stop a punch on the street with a middle block, because I don't believe they are. But I think that's me finished. There's a lot okay, so I'll come back to that one, actually, because I have to tell you, you bring up religion, and, and uh, this isn't a particularly religious story, but this, this utterly changed everything. I read this book years ago, 20 years ago or more, and it changed everything for me, like not just martial arts, but everything. Okay. And it, I don't even know the name of the book. Oh, and I wish I did. <laughs> I don't even know the name of it. And it was a novel, and it wasn't even a very good one. <laughs> okay. But there was this bit in it where there was an Irish priest. He, I think he, he sort of been carjacked by this, this um, convict, and they were, he was trying to escape over the Alps or over the mountains out of Italy. And they were talking, and uh, the, the convict says to the priest, he said, uh, I don't believe in God. And the priest says to him, all right, he says, tell me about this God you don't believe in. And he goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, tell me about it. And he went, well, I don't believe there's a, you know, a man sitting on a cloud with a big white beard. And he went, all right, I don't believe in him either. And that, that little block changed my life. It changed everything because when you come and say, "Does this work?" and someone says, "Karate don't work," it's like, "What? What? Tell me about that. Tell me about that karate. It doesn't work. Is yeah. it the head? Is it the headbutt? Is it the eye gouging, or is it the the biting? Which, you know, tell me about that bit that doesn't work. Which I think is what you're getting at. But that book just utterly. It was like a lightning bolt for me. Yeah, I, okay. I want you to. I want you to unpack it with your thoughts because, as I say, I'll, I'll caveat that, or, or I'll. I'll I'll give myself that get out of jail card right at the beginning by saying I'm currently right in the middle of mentally investigating this. Like I, I'm thinking about this a lot and I, okay. I, I don't know where I am at the minute. So yeah, over, over at you. So let's so let's look at this middle block that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right in that it doesn't work as a block, but okay, never meant block, right? It means receive anyway. It doesn't even mean block, right? So this motion that we have here. It's really, really useful. Okay, so if, say, I've, I've got boom and I've got someone's head here, this bit here is, is my choke. You know, this is, I am using this. If someone's grabbed and I'm on the outside of it, I am using this. If I've hit that and I've hit that, I am using it. If you look at Sutsu, okay, Sutsu you use all the time. The form is the most used block you've got, you're using. Yeah. This is Sutsu, okay. Now, when we're training, we're training it in full motion. And when, you, when you're not, you're hammering tight blows. So if you look at, let's look at Gyakuski, okay, or whatever you guys call it, this this kind of reverse punch thing. Reverse here. punch, yep, yeah, okay. So if I if I do it, I don't have to do this in any sort of meaningful way. 
there's a lot of people that, that listen to the podcast as well. So uh, Gavin, I believe, is just about to demonstrate a, a reverse punch here for anyone that's right. listening. So say we're here, well, yeah. here if you're doing one on the other side, but here, and I do this, okay? Yeah. It's a push, right? No matter how much I get my hip going, it's a push because this is static. However, if as this hip goes forward, this hand comes back and I do this, I get that, bang. Yeah. Then I'm training something. I'm training the mitetic reflex here. A punch yep. has three phases, right? It's got a, a trigger, free flow, and impact. Mm -hmm. So you can't teach a punch in midair, but you're never supposed to. What yep. we're training is the trigger, right? Free flow will only happen if you're actually impact, because your body won't allow you free flow unless there's impact. And then you're supposed to be hitting makawaras and pads and people. That's your impact. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because what the Japanese does, what the martial arts do, the Chris and is, they break things down into tiny little bits and polish them, but then you're supposed to be put them back. And that's, in my opinion, where karate has gone wrong. That people don't know how to put it back together again. They've yeah. just got all these shiny bits. So say I've been training that, my teddy reflex there, that bang. In the dojo, I'll bring my hand back to do that. But yeah. I have to have this bang, because there's a boom. And outside, I throw my body forward. So there it is there. You want to see... Uh, application of Yakuski, watch my Tyson fight. Yeah. yeah. Watch that. Because yeah. that's all your shots then. Then through this training drill here, I'm actually training all the hundred. Training them all. I'm training my Kazamaski, uh, my Kosaski, Kagaski, Kagaski. Because to make that work from here, that my body has to talk to get that stretch reflex to fire that shot because that's my trip. Yeah. What? And of course I can punch like that, but why would I? Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why can there possibly be, whoever thought it's a good idea to remove all the punches that you naturally do, because they would have thought the same in Japan as they do, well, just go bang, watch yeah. your children fight again, make your children fight. Right? Um, why would you have a system where I'd say, right, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to take out what we know to be effective and put in this thing and then argue about whether it's effective or not. Yeah. What, what is that? One, I remember being in a seminar with one of our, the grandmasters in our Taekwondo Association, and he said pretty much exactly what you just said there. And that's 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 one of the bits that I'm investigating. And again, when I say that, like, I always say sometimes that, and again, I'm not, a, I don't want to open this can of worms, but I'll meditate on things. And what, what I mean by that, what I personally mean by that is, is that, uh, like, I'll, I'll really think about it as opposed to just... Uh, Thinking about it. Yeah, yeah like really, really, really thinking as deep as I possibly can. And that was going back to the Facebook thing about I'll throw things out uh, that sometimes cause offence and obviously I need to get better at that bit. But just I just want to see what people are thinking. Anyway, he was talking about what you were saying, but the, the let's say, as we would call an outer forearm block, uh, he said, well, you wouldn't cross you wouldn't throw one out a forearm block he said that's not why you're doing this block a thousand times in training it's exactly what you said there it's about training the body to go through this this process uh when you're coming in the way for example here if this gives us a a, a structured way of repetition to block to block to block to then allow the body to do something else if needed 
If someone's going to punch me in the face, I ain't going to take my hand all the way back, draw this hand in, do the proper, as we would call an inward hammer block. But what I might do is manage to get the hand up as quickly as I possibly can. And it's just that repetition allows our body to be developed or structured in a way that I'm able to do that. A yeah, look, you, you, you learn to move in, move yeah. out, drop down or move up. Okay, why wouldn't you? Okay, you, that's, that's the point. You've got to do one of those things, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and, and what you're doing with this sort of, we, of course, it is formalized. It's absolutely formalized. For example, if let's take, well, let's take that middle block, right? Uh, let's take that. Okay, so in training, I have this kind of formality where it comes to the middle, this comes up and around. Goji blocks are, uh, uh, a lot of them would knock the way. Goji blocks are around, circular, because, mm -hmm. because it's not so much like, oh, I don't know who watched this, but I shouldn't swear, I know that much, but it's not like oh, this, this kind of defense to come forward. Yeah. It's more like, yeah, you can come in. It's yeah. like, it's funny, I've, I've met it and I'm like, right, because Goji close, I want you close. So if I've actually made that first contact, which is the hardest bit, then I'm pulling you in. So it's not get away, it's like it's pull in this way. So we have this formalized, right? But this bit here, where it's coming to the middle, say, yeah, one, two, one, and two, I pull back. That is a codified flinch response because you don't see a punch, you see that. So I've got, okay, I've just gone, and then if I've hit, that's hit, then I'll take it. And if I'm here and there, the upper block. So it's the same, all the blocks come central. So boom, yeah, boom. Yeah. And this is just like, just thing, and then boom, wherever that comes, because I don't see it. So we're not supposed to be training out flinch response. Those things are supposed to be training them in. We've had, I don't know, 8 billion years or whatever, how many, there's all 30, if you, whatever you believe it is. Yeah. Billions of years of evolution have given us a flinch response. Yeah. In the martial arts, we're supposed to heighten our natural abilities, not eliminate them. So I want that real fast flinch response to give me something. I see that and I've moved and I've put something in the way. And then I'm going to rip it or bite it or do whatever I need to do to get through there. But that initial block is the hardest bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. The As I say, I'm... Is there anything else you would want to add to that wee section about sort of practical application, I guess? And, and again, that's, that's a word that I'm currently, or a phrase that I'm Try to decide on what I think about that at the minute, but uh, well, let, let's talk about how how karate fared in the cage uh, because it it, it did. Uh, the Neil Gove was one of your students, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, and he took the heavyweight title, held it for four years, fought in the UFC, went to fight for the world title at um, Bellator. Yeah. Also, age we took the we so we as DKK we took the heavyweight. British cage, we took the middleweight, bowlweight titles. Now, did, and again, this is going back to what we were talking about in, in, a, in, a, in a manner, I guess, but was, and again, I'm going to contradict what both of us have said here, but you'll understand what I mean. Did Was that your system, system that just moved directly into the cage? Is that what you were not trying to prove as such, but did you have to incorporate anything else? Tell yeah, that's, no, that's a good question. And, and, and we were trying to prove something. Absolutely, it was trying to prove something. Right, okay. Because Karate's reputation was very, very bad, and it was irritating, and, and it was still irritating. So, no, absolutely, we're going to prove something. 
And when people say, oh, did you have to add stuff in? The truth of the matter is we had to take stuff out, not add stuff in. Yeah. Didn't have to add anything. We had to change the answer. So we had to drop all the multiples. We had to drop all the weaponry. We had to drop all the bits of pieces. Now, and, and then just fight one-on-one with someone who's the same size as you, who knew it was coming for three months, who just had a massage the night before, has eaten his pasta, who's ready to go, who wants to fight. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a massive reduction in what you're normally training for. Massive reduction. And I'm not minimising it. It's very tough in there. Don't, don't for one minute think I'm minimising it. I, I'm absolutely not. But that's the reality of it, is you're fighting someone that wants to fight, that's trained to fight, that's prepared to fight. That is not who we're normally training to deal with. Yeah. Um, so we had to, obviously, we had to have emphasis in order to drop all that stuff out, we had to emphasise more, you know, we did more, more, more grappling stuff, more of this, more of that. But what was interesting is they hated the fact that we did karate, even though we would go down in geese, take his gi off, hand it to me, um, they would announce background in MMA from the first fight. Background in MMA, they wouldn't say it, as they don't say it for you know George Saint Pierre. You know he goes down with his Kyokushin headband on, and very rarely gets mentioned. Chuck Liddell's got his Kempo Karate tattoo. Very, they don't. You know they'll pick the Shadokan guy and try and make out that he's an anomaly, but they don't actually like it because it's a it's a franchise. Really. Did you actually find that? Was that sort of palpable? You could you could tell that that's that they were deliberately missing out that. Well, they deliberately said, you know, background in MMA to Neil when he walked down for his first fight, even though we're in geese. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it's del- deliberate is an interesting one. I don't think they were deliberately doing it. No, I don't. I think it's just the culture. You know, I think they find it hard to believe that that was what was happening. I don't think it's deliberate. But, you know, if, when, for instance, when Neil, if you watch any of Neil's fights, you'll see him take, go down his gee top, take it off, give it to me. All quite formal stuff, as as is. And you think you're talking to him, and what that is, and you always see it at the end of the fight. I always put it back on because that gi top belt. When I'm talking to him, that symbolizes everything that was good about him in life. That symbolizes his humanity, his love for his children, your love for your wife, your compassion. You take that off and you give it to me. So the only thing that steps into the cage is badness. Okay, and then at the end of it. Because you'll see, we bow in, we bow out always. And the only thing that steps through the gate is bad. And so that has to be put back on. And it's it's putting back on. Because one of the things that martial arts is training to do is to give you triggers. Okay, we talked about the punch trigger, but but actually triggering. Because the problem with, and I, I, I've i stopped doing cage stuff now. I did it for 10 years and then I got bored with it. I'm, I'm honest, got bored with it. Yeah. And the, the raw material is different. You've got people, like I said, that want to fight. But actually, most MMA clubs, I don't think, want to fight, to be honest. But the people that want to go in there. But the people that come to the traditional, they want to be able to fight, but not necessarily fight. So, you, you know, it's a different kind of yeah. mindset, really, with, with the people. So you've got to put, so we're training triggers, because one of the problems that that, that martial artists in, in that they'll have is when they get fronted by someone in the street, they're, they're generally nice people, and that's not healthy. Right. So yeah. you're saying you're, all of a sudden I'm like telling you I'm in your face trying to get you one. You're like, well, what? And I, it, you've made a mistake. It's not me. I haven't said anything to you. I didn't. I'm like, well, what are you fucking saying? You're like, I didn't say anything. You're processing that. Yeah. 
rather than deal with me, you're thinking, I didn't say anything. Why me? What what is it? What what have I done? Because you're a nice guy. I'm not saying it's because of you, but this this goes through your head and then you're fucked. Yeah. So so we we one of the things we're training with with all the the geese and this the, the the foreign language that isn't even understandable to Japanese. You know, it's an old Okinawan dialect spoken with a Glasgow accent, that sort of nonsense. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's trying to, it's about a mind switch it's about triggers because i want to be able to you want to be able to access the demon inside deal with whatever's there and then turn around to your children and take them home that's the trigger and that's a big part of martial arts training is that trigger and so that was the gi the gi top was doing that with with my fighters i'm talking to them it's like this is okay, take it off and only badness goes into the cage and then you've got to put that back on so it's like you, you're in trouble. You turn away from your wife and only thing going this way is evil. But then you turn back to your wife and kids and the only thing they see is goodness. They don't see that side of you and nor should they. And you're, the martial arts are training. You know, you, you get people who had a fight and then they're sort of wired for days on it. That's not martial. Martial is you switch it back off again. That's wonderful. Uh, I That was one of the, the, the moments where I, I, I wanted to, like... I wanted to agree with you verbally there as you were speaking, but I was trying really hard not to, <laughs> not to, not to interrupt you there because, uh, yeah, that that just that wee section there was just uh, spot just spot on, and I think I think what I believe as well. I think I, I think uh, that mindset that you were explaining there was just was perfect. Uh, right, okay. That kind of leads us into uh, two two points that I want to make sure we talk about today is your experiences uh, traveling to Asia to train and, and see what was happening. And then there's maybe one place where I'll, 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 I'll finish up today was going, again, getting back to this social media thing. I was going through your Facebook and I remember reading this. This was back in February, I think, when you posted. You were talking about how and we've spoke a lot today about fighting, but you, you and you probably know the post I'm talking about. You talked about <laughs> how you talked about how COVID uh, in this year that we've had has changed your mentality towards what karate is, or maybe over a number of years, maybe over the last five to ten years, mm. uh, where previously it was well, karate is about fighting and nothing else. Yeah, right. You've, you've went really sort of you've really turned around to yeah yeah I have yeah yeah let's park that just for a wee second because I'm really excited to talk about that because I've got some some good questions there that are popping out my head to now uh and let's talk about Asia first of all so yeah so um yes I was I was quite fortunate actually I was I was an engineer quite early and and I've managed to buy my own house when I was 26 which is going to it's every millennial off that's reading that's listening to this. Uh, and uh, and, and I, I decided I, I was going to go. I was going to get out to, to Asia. I was going to travel. And uh, I went to tell my my mum and dad, and I thought they were going to be against it, and they so weren't. And I was just eternally grateful. They were just like, yeah, that's great, go. And my dad said to me, he goes, this is, this is not the last house you'll ever have. It's not the last job you'll ever have. And sometimes you said, you know, it's nice to look over the edge and see where you're going to land, but sometimes you just have to jump and be, you know, have faith that you're going to land. 
Yeah. And and uh, so so I set off, and I wind up in Japan via a little bit of a, a, a sort of a bizarre route, but I ended up in Japan, which you know it's funny because I've been I've been studying martial arts for ages, but in my head Japan was sunny and. Uh, and so I'd throw my coat away. I'd left it in Thailand. And when I got there, it was snowing. And it's like, ah, ah. <laughs> so I, went, I, was, I was right up north. And what, what I did, and this wasn't particularly planned. It's just what happened. I, um, so, well, I sold my house, actually. I put the, the owner going abroad, uh, house contents for sale. And, and um, people just came around and, and they bought everything. Lamp, lamp bulb, like said, they, they just wiped the house. And at the end of it, I had a stool that I was sitting on. I had a surfboard. I had my karate gi and a guitar and that and my clothes and a wax sack. That's all I had left. Yeah. Brilliant. It's utterly liberating. Anyway, so I ended up in Japan and and I I, I was very I was up north by Pass Morioka and I, I was looking for go to and then I then I just and they didn't know what I was talking about. Like I couldn't obviously they didn't know. I went there's places up north that never seen a white man before and I was yeah. big. And blonde, long blonde hair, just yep. like totally anomaly. The kids would come out and cry, you know, and people would come, the whole village would come out. So I decided I wasn't going to do that. And what I did was I I traveled all the way down to Kagoshima. And what I did is wherever I stopped, I would train. Okay. I find somewhere to train. I didn't even ask what it was. I stopped asking. It didn't matter if it was karate, I just did anything because I couldn't go to you, they didn't know what I was talking about. Karate, they barely knew what I was talking about. And so wherever I stopped, I would train and often sleep in the dojo if the instructor allowed it, sometimes back at their houses, which was frequent, and sometimes just outside on the the floor and then head off the next day and and pick the next place. So it was sometimes it was kendo, sometimes from from kendo to judo to to karate to, to stuff they didn't know, they didn't have a name. It's just whatever I landed, that's what I did. Yeah. And it was great. How long it did was, you do that for? That was probably five or six months. Now, I keep mining five or six months. I keep, I've always meant to write this up as a book. And it's got to the stage now where I don't remember the names or the place. I'll have to write it as a seminally fictional bit just yeah. so, because I don't, you know, I don't know the names of the dojos and stuff. They're probably long gone. But I still should write the experiences up. Yeah. Um, and and I, I met some totally fascinating people and, and great stuff. And there was one place that I stopped when I bumped into this English guy in the afternoon and I got chatting to him. I said what I was doing. He goes, oh, I'm doing karate. He goes, you should come. It's been fantastic. I'll come. So I was second down at the time, by the way. And uh, I'd lost my gi that I took with me. That, that was long gone. I'd lost that somewhere. But um, I said, yeah, that's great. So we walk up and there's this. Japanese uh, sensei stood at the door of this dojo and to my horror this English guy said this guy this is Gavin he's really good I thought oh <laughs> and, yeah. and the guy went so I went in to the back stood at the back and uh, he barked some orders and everyone started filing out so I went to follow with back on the back when then he just stopped me and then he went out and he was gone for about like 15 minutes and I'll be honest I was shitting myself because everyone's gone right I was the only one in there I've looked at all the certificates on the wall and I'm just sort of I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing 
when he comes back, he's wearing full armor, like like kendo stuff. Okay. And he's he gives me the same. He doesn't speak any English. He gives me the same, and I don't know what to do with it. And eventually, wire myself into it. And he bows and squares off to me. So it, it, it was a it was a it was born out of fear, not skill. That I, I the first thing he bowed and started went to fight, and I shin kicked him across the face. So I was shin across, put a dent in his mask. His mask. And, um, and basically what he did, he, he had sent the class home and he just wanted to spar for like about half an hour or 40 minutes. Oh, like, okay. That's what he did. And, and he, was, he was really good. Not, not, you know, I met a lot of people better than me, of course, a lot of people not as good and some playing the same, but it was brilliant. And then after we'd done that, and again, no English, didn't speak a word of English, got me back to his house, which was low table, wife in a kimono we got absolutely hammered and laughed all night and even though not one of us spoke the next spoke the language yeah that, that, that's the essence of a trip like that isn't it yeah it's just connecting and uh the i i'm i'm uh i'm still a pup i'm i'm, I'm 40 next year and uh japan is 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 we, uh, uh, Grandmaster Cho, our Grandmaster's based in Hawaii, and the first time we went to Hawaii, we were only a young a young couple at the time, a wee boy wasn't here, uh, I don't even think we were married actually, and that was going to be the holiday of the lifetime, we we're going to go to Hawaii, and uh, again, it's, it's, it's not being boastful, but just that's where, we're so unlucky that our Grandmaster's based in Hawaii, you know, yeah. so, and we've been back five times since, so... <laughs> Miyagi studied in Hawaii. Miyagi went and trained and taught in Hawaii. Right, okay, yep, yep. But the conga ken, have you seen that? No. The big, no. big steel ring, it's a sort of traditional goju training thing, is actually a Hawaiian wrestler's. All right, okay. Yeah, right. just for anyone that doesn't think there's grappling and stuff in karate still. Indeed, indeed. Comes back with this Hawaiian grappling. So Japan next year is going to be the... Yeah, so it's great. And people always ask me what I learned there. And the biggest thing I learned in Japan was not to fear a Japanese in a gig. You know, I, so people still revere the Japanese in a way that I think is, is inappropriate. You know, back in the 70s, our best had, what, 15 years experience, 10, 15 years experience, and their best had 40, 50 years experience. But now our best have 40, 50 years experience. And yeah. we're bigger. And you can't get away from the fact that size counts in these things. You can yeah. minimize it, but it counts. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I met some good people, very much better than me, people worse than me, and people about the same, you know, and it's, it, it just put it in perspective for me because I think in this country we're brought up with a kind of almost a fear of, of the Japanese. And the, I don't know if it's the same with Taekwondo and, and the Koreans, but there's, there's still yeah. this sort of thing. Um, and it, it dispelled all that for me, and that was that was useful. Yeah. You see that, 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 that catching up with experience, uh, there was a. Uh, even in mixed martial arts, like the British, the Michael Bisping's a brilliant example just of obviously eventually becoming the champion. But for wrestling and stuff, the, the Americans, they had a head start on us, is what I'm trying to say. But that that eventually started, obviously, as you just said there, that the time starts adding up no matter where you are in the world and what you're doing. It does. But the problem we've got, and this is where Neil eventually became came unstuck, Neil Grove. Mm -hmm. He got the furthest of anyone there to fight for the world title uh, for Bellator. Yeah. And, and we're, British fighters, we're always going to lose to American wrestlers in that format. 
Yeah. We just are because it's not the British can't wrestle. It's just we don't really like it very much. For us, even with martial arts, our heritage is a boxing heritage. We like stand-up fighting. We like to fight like that. We like to watch fights like that. And anything under the ground, let's face it, it's boring. It's, it's quite a fun to do, but it's boring to watch. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so we just don't do it, whereas the Americans wrestle in high school and stuff. So in that format, the American wrestlers are always going to kind of come out on top. And that's what happened to me. We went over and fought this brilliant... Um, uh wrestler cold was his name and he was from the same camp as um brock lesnar those see. guys yeah it was yeah. those guys and uh they were great really interesting guys i had a i had a london irish rugby top on and yeah, yeah they were like oh my god they're really and in the, in the end i ended up sending them like three massive london irish shirts because they wanted them over there yeah brilliant Brilliant. Uh, right, okay. Uh, Gavin, the last thing I want to touch on might be quite a, a sort of big subject for you was, was okay, a couple of things that, that y- you don't teach children. No, I don't. Right, okay. Uh, and <laughs> it's very strange now, especially nowadays, that when, when, when it's, it's very strange now that people are trying to, and I know you're not trying to get rid of students, well, maybe yeah. No, I am. I am. <laughs> so that's that's strange. The majority of us are worrying about getting students through the door. You're worrying about getting students out the door. Uh, you don't teach children. You only teach adults, and that's really different uh, nowadays. Well, I want the right students. It's not that I don't want students. I want the right ones. Yeah. I, I, I want. I still believe that students should find me, not the other way around, and that they should prove their worth before I waste my time on them. You know, even, even so, and I think it's more important these days than ever with the way kids are brought up. You know, the, the, there's a, I have a, a, a form when people join, and one of it is, why should I take you as a student? And you can see they really struggle with it. Yeah. That, that's, you know, I, that's a cultural thing. That's a... It is, yeah. How diff, How... Well, I can tell for just talking to you today that you don't find that difficult, but uh, there's a there's a I, I, there's a level of expectation from parents nowadays that uh, again you, you've got to make sure that you're wording this uh, correctly as well because I, I, I always think that I'm especially lucky. Maybe maybe it's the people we attract, but the the the, the parents we have at the school just seem to be super supportive and. and that's a wonderful thing, but it's like, well, how dare you not take my child to your, I'm talking about you here, how dare you, Gavin, not want my, and I know it's not children, but they just, there's a level of expectation that they don't have to prove themselves in anything, really, to, mm. to get through your doors. It's so interesting to hear there's, that's... So the, I should make it clear that I don't, I'm not, I don't object to children doing martial arts. It's just I think what I do is sort of inappropriate for them. I think there's better things they can be doing, and I don't want to. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I, I, this is not a criticism for anyone who is teaching kids. Yeah. No, good luck to you. I'm glad you are doing. I got taught yep. as a kid. It's a bit yep, selfish yep. of me, but I don't want to. Yeah. And so I don't. And you know, I it was a little while ago now, but but I, had, did, I remember this guy coming into me and saying, you know, why should I train it? This beginner, he hasn't never been there. So why should I train it with you and not with the Taekwondo club? I said to him, you shouldn't train with me. In fact, you can't train with me. Go and join the Taekwondo club. And he was just so sort of shocked. Yeah. He was yeah. so sort of no, bewildered by the 
for that. What what was that emotion then for that person? That's what I was trying to describe two minutes ago. What, yeah, bewildered, bewildered. But why? Why why is that? Is that because? Yeah, why... I, I think it is because. See, I I I do not buy into this criticism of our youth. I don't buy into it. But I think because one of the reasons I don't buy into it at all is the people moaning about them. They're your kids. You're the adult, and then in this, if that's that generation, our generation is the parent. We brought them up, and I've not found them to be like that. I haven't found them. The rudest people I find are middle-aged women on the tube, not teenage boys. They generally keep themselves to themselves. They're fairly um, antisocial because they don't want to socialise with anyone but themselves. But that's not an issue. They always have been. They're not rude. I don't find them rude. I haven't found them. To be rude. I think some of the kids I've got in my school, and again, you're, you're being. I don't know, or maybe I'm being uh, rose-tinted glasses type thing, but I think you're right. We, we And I've said this a number of times recently, we've got wonderful kids, uh, teenagers, teenage boys, teenage girls, younger kids. Uh, and I, 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 I like to sometimes actually say to them, listen, guys, I, I know you get it tight sometimes, but, I mean, we had a, we had a training session the other week, last Sunday, uh, in the park, and it was freezing and it was raining and... They were dodging puddles and just all that stuff. And there was, it was full of teenagers. There was a lot of teenagers oh, yeah. training hard. And, yeah. uh, you know, and structure, well, they need structure. I mean, I, I remember having this, this argument at school when my boy Tiger had been fighting at school. And I, I went into the school and I, I was trying to explain to them that boys are supposed to fight. And it didn't go very well. Yeah. But, but young men are supposed to fight, boys, and not just boys, in fact, mammals. Play fight. That's how mammals find their place. Yeah. Is they play fight. So hopefully by the time you get to sort of 16, 17, it's a bit out of your system. And I noticed this with mine. The ones that have never had a fight are the ones that sort of start to get a little bit punchy and want to try it when they get sort of green belt and it starts to. Whereas those that have done it as kids, it's out of the system. They're not bothered about it. You need to get that out of your system before A, before you're big enough to hurt people, and B, before you're responsible enough to go to prison for it. It's the ones that haven't done it that have sort of, sort of doubts and wonder if it'll ever work and have this continual sort of internal dialogue. So I think young boys are supposed to fight. They, you know, it's it's yeah. a good thing in Ireland when and when we fought, it, 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 some Scotland as well, I think, it's they would, if two boys would be fighting, they would stop it and say, do you want this fight? You say, yep, yeah. do you want it? No, and they clip the one they did. Or if you both say yes, they'd ring the school bell everyone would pile in, give you, you know, 18 ounce gloves on your skinny little arms and you'd wail away in front of everyone. Yeah. And of course, you'd be best of friends afterwards and everyone would love it. But you, there was no bite, no, no one else could, you know, it, no one else could get involved and you, you got that done. So, I, I know for a fact that, I know for a fact that there'll be people that would listen to that and be aghast that that was even a thing. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. fully on board with what you're saying, and uh, and I I understand it and I agree with it. Uh, and I've got a wee boy at the minute who's eight, and he's he's got a story every day about uh, fights. It's not a fight; it's just young mammals sort of yeah, the play fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, in, but in terms of trying to get rid of students, it's not that I'm it's that I'm, I'm trying to get the right students, and I, I often have. Um, other instructors saying to me, like, you know, that it's not like it was and you can't be hard on them anymore. And they're saying it to me, you know, openly knowing that they've got, you know, 
many less students than I have. And I don't, that, that somehow that doesn't compute. Yeah. No, no. I've got this particular set of students. And, and again, I, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm disrespectful to those that, that I weed out. There are other things for them. And, and I think those things are great. You know, there's other things they can be doing and, yeah. and, and good luck to them. And, and you, you will never have heard me criticize any organization or people. You've never seen me putting up anything any clips of anyone saying, look at this, it's rubbish. You won't ever see me or anyone from DKK do that. We have an outright ban on anything like that because A, it's none of our business. B, we don't know what they're doing. And you could take clips of us and say, look at that, that's rubbish, because it would be, because we'd be explaining a point or, you know, you don't know what they're doing. It's just out of context. Yeah. It's none of our business. It's, it's hard enough to do your own stuff without trawling through looking for other people. And to me, you know, I don't follow football. Who's good these days? Liverpool, are they any good? I don't know either, to be fair, mate. I'm, I'm rubbish at it. I've got no idea. I, right. even, I think the Rangers get... just won the league up here, but I, I couldn't even tell you who won the league in England. And I, I, at all. I've got no idea. Well, you know, you don't get Man United trawling the internet, putting up pictures of fat guys in their 40s who are playing Sunday League and saying, look at this, it's shit. That's not football. Yeah. It is football. It's just not at that level. And, and so why would you... Do that as a martial artist, but you know some people, you know, GKR or something where, you know, where it's a, you know, the family club or whatever they're doing or anyone, you know, it's they're going there for different reasons. You know, they're going there for different reasons. They train for different reasons. Yeah, they go in there because their kids are there and their, you know, grandma's training or whatever. You know, and and they have fun there. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Why would I get angry about that and offended about that? It, it's not that I'm, you know, I've been offended about that. Because they have robbed our symbols and our imagery and our belts and stuff. But actually, so what? Yeah. Well, that, that leads us into the, the last point that I want to cover. Uh, I'll let you get on with your day. Uh, what has changed then and why did it change? This is really this is really important to me, actually. And, and when I read that on your Facebook, I, I, I didn't necessarily think I would end on this, but it's something that I definitely wanted to, to talk to you about uh, your you and your school's achievements and your arts achievements, and again, I'll I'll I'll, I'll relate that back to having people fight full contact in the cage because this seems to be the thing nowadays that if you're not a cage fighter or whatever, then you're not tough enough or or whatever. So what I'm trying to say there is your reputation is 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 beyond doubt. So to have someone like you to act, and this is what I, I believe in this as well, that there's a holistic part that, that, that absolutely is a, a holistic part to martial arts, to have someone like you who's walked the walk to say, listen, I've actually changed my mind here. I've changed the way I feel about this and karate or any martial art doesn't just have to be about fighting. It can also be about A, B and C. So what, yeah. what were those A, B, and Cs for you that you've... Well, I think this came off there in the, the post you did. I, I came across an article that I'd written years ago, 90s probably, and it, it was actually titled Karate's Only for Fighting or something like that. And it was basically saying that it's just about fighting and anything else is nonsense. Um, you didn't use the word nonsense in the Facebook post, but anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, and the reason, we, we at Black Belt, you have to write an essay. Yep. You have to write an essay in. 
and there's not a pass or fail unless you haven't bothered and there's a fail, but it, it's really so that you can look back on it and see what you thought at that breakthrough moment. And that article is one of those. That's utterly what I thought at the time. I was probably a second down and that's what you're supposed to think. So I have no shame in, you know, I wasn't wrong. It's just, I was right for a second down. Yeah. But it was lockdown really that, that, that got me. I, I had a rough year last year. My brother died. One of my brothers died back in January last year. And what the way I've dealt with that sort of thing before is, is just to lose myself in training. And then that went a month later. And, and that was really tough. I, was, I resigned from work yep. just and, and tried to sort of get just losing it. But actually what became clear was it was, it was training that was keeping me sane through both grief and this, this whole lockdown. And, and I realised that it was, it was the connection to other people and it was the physicality of it. And also the, the level of focus that was, I know mental health was, you know, when was that invented? It's like about three years ago, probably. You know, yeah. Yep. We didn't used to have any, right? Apparently so, apparently. Yep. So, but it became so utterly clear that this was a thing and, and that this training was good for you. And I see it in my students, those that have, because it was horrible to have to go online. Mm -hmm. And I, like you said, what we were saying before we came on here about martial arts being rubbish at it, I was forced by students to do this. And, and we have a summer camp once a year, which is five days out in the woods and then the black belts do their gradings at the end of it when they haven't eaten properly and haven't slept and you know they've been training hard for three four days then they do their great and then all of a sudden we couldn't do that so i didn't want to do it last year in fact this i don't know if you can read that but this is a quarantine veteran dkk summer camp <laughs> 220 yeah and the students were like i don't mean saying because i didn't want to do it because it wasn't going to be the same we couldn't do it to that level so i didn't want to do it and they were like oh do something we can do something can't we why can't we we book the time off work why can't we do it and then so myself and dan lewis who runs the association with me we put together a program we did it remotely and it was great yeah and i apologized to the students i said look i'm here banging on about you about martial mindset that you, you know it's problem solving something comes up it goes beyond the dojo it's supposed to go into your normal life which is kind of what we're talking about, that something comes up and you carry on, you get round it. You step up, you find a way around and you keep going. And here was me giving up and you, the students, telling me to find a way around it, to get up and carry on. And I apologised to them for it because they were so right. And I still see online my site saying, no, it's not real. Yeah, I haven't done it. So what? So you haven't trained in a year and all these people have, but you're the one that's right. You think that's the correct response is not to train. Yeah. Do I like training remotely? Hell no. But the alternative is not trying. Is not there isn't an alternative. The alternative is not to not train. That isn't an alternative, unless that's what it is, the out you were looking for. And so the process of training, I can see it in those students who've gone through all sorts of trouble and that and training. Just it's that. When I remember sitting around the fire at the end of summer camp, and, and there's a couple of people saying, "Oh, you know, they're dreading going back to the real world." I said, "No, no, no." No, no, this is the real world. It's the false world is the one you're going back into. Here, we don't have to be nice to people we don't like to. Like, we don't have to pretend anything because it's work. We don't pretend anything. We, 
genuinely people are judged regardless of race creed religion you're judged on your spirit of character you know you genuinely are yeah and it's the this is the real world the world we're going back to is the false one where you've got to make money and get by and get on with people you don't like that's the false world and that's where the 30-man fight really the second down is 30-man full contact fight and the reason it's so emotional is that you're exposed you're spirit is exposed you can see who you are we know who we are more than our partners the people's yeah. spouses and girlfriends we know them better and so the martial arts just became a vehicle for something so the, the caveat i've got on, on what you said there is that the the all these benefits have to come out of the fight if you remove the fight from a combat is the vehicle by which we find this these higher level yeah. um, things this this there's peace through understanding yourself. You know, I've done it myself. I've advertised, you know, get you flexible and self-confident. No, we won't. I'll teach you to fight. And then you'll be flexible and self-confident. Otherwise, it's not confident, is it? You know, you've got to be confident. You'll be confident because you have the ability. It follows the ability. So the training must be hard, not the other way around. Yeah. And but it became clear to me. And also, you know, meditating as well. I just... That, that attempt to find some, some peace, some stillness became so utterly valuable. And then it dawned on me, it's like, it's not stillness. It's seeking that stillness within the, the, the sort of maelstrom of, of day-to-day life and training is, is utterly important. I was just saying, it's like music. You know, the, the, the gap between the notes is as important as the notes, right? Otherwise it's just white noise. Right, it's not nothingness. It's an integral and crucial part of it, and so is your meditation. It's an integral and crucial part of that overall symphony of life. Yeah, Gavin, uh, listen, that I, I, your 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 appearance in the podcast today has been perfectly perfectly timed. I so many things that I. I, I we're talking about meditation there that I've been meditating on and uh, I don't know I think things happen for a reason I do and I think just the, the as man, managing to get this organized for today uh, just just happened at the right time I have absolutely loved this conversation uh, I, I wanted just to have people on that I uh, who I respect and who I think I would enjoy talking to uh, and then just put it out there in the world. And if people watch and they listen, and it turns out people are watching and listening, and that's that's brilliant. But I've absolutely loved this conversation today. So yeah, it was a real pleasure. Thank you. And if people disagree with anything, talk to Karen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've been leaving the comment section off on YouTube so that I don't get that barrage of people. I know that I respect your right to have a totally, utterly different opinion because you've had a totally and utterly different set of experiences. So. Your truth is is as valuable and valid as mine. That's was just talking how through I see things. Perfect. Right, Gavin, have a wonderful day. Uh, right, you too, Karen. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. All right, take care, my man. Thank you. Bless.